Crack, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. Welcome to episode 15 of Keeping Track. We have a longer catch-up today as Ro and Alicia and I check in on how things have shifted in our parts of the country in response to the pandemic. We talk a little about the news of the Olympics being postponed to 2021, and then we introduce our guests. We have two ladies who share an interesting story that Alicia can relate to. Rachel Highland and Lauren Philbrook talk to us about what it was like to line up at the recent U.S. Olympic marathon trials while in their third trimesters of pregnancy how the pandemic has made being pregnant an extra anxious time right now, what led them to decide to run the trials pregnant, the support they felt on the course, the importance of staying connected to the running community during different phases of their lives, and how they've supported each other to go after goals for years as sisters in sport. Thanks for keeping track with us. I am here with Alicia Montano and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas in their closet. Hi, ladies. How are you doing? Hi. We are we are the definition of isolating right now. We yeah. just saw some other podcasters recording from their closets on Twitter, and so we thought that's what the best acoustics were. Yeah, mm-hmm. and especially we've seen everybody's uh, comments and thank you so much about you know working on our sound. So we're we're working on that right now. <laughs> yeah, yes. yep. Well, this is our new project to improve sound quality. So thanks for that feedback. We we're are gonna, adapting. <laughs> we're gonna adapt. Yes. <laughs> I'm used to being in the studio and kind of chilling and like having that all sorted. And now I'm at home. And um, I guess the last time I didn't have my setup right and that it was didn't. I'm very disappointed with the sound. So apologies for that last episode. But hopefully we're improving and we can learn from that as we do in races, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As we're talking about improving it, I just will let everybody know the best thing that we are doing right now because we are not going to studios is being in our closet so don't judge us on this episode <laughs> hey um, I just listened to Brene Brown and she did the same thing so <laughs> okay perfect <laughs> all righty then so ladies we've had a couple it seems like every day things change in the news with the um virus and the pandemic uh this week's no different um how are you ladies handling things I know Alicia you guys in California have had some changes um and there's been some Olympic news. So what, what are your thoughts? I, I guess I can kick off. Um, I think, one, nobody was, you know, when they're thinking 2020 and 2020 vision, I don't think anyone was thinking there was going to be a global pandemic in the beginning of 2020. I mean, obviously, we've had people, you know, some scientists who have predicted it's we're due for a pandemic. And so this makes sense to them. To, to me, it made absolutely no sense as to what was going on. Um, but we are adjusting. And, you know, with the first onset of the news, I think uh, it was kind of early on, actually, just before um, the uh, marathon Olympic trials, I remember thinking, okay, there's, there's a some sort of virus that's going on. I don't know too much about it. How concerned should I be? Obviously, I was still pregnant at the time. And then, you know, having given birth. And I, th- I remember waiting for our, you know, our president, our current president to address us on the coronavirus during 
um, the trials and there was no information that I was able to gather from that, that gave me any sort of, um, that were, had any sort of intellectual capacity. I'm just being honest about that. Um, so I just felt kind of like, okay, so we still have no idea what to do. And then shortly after that, I felt like there was this big boom in how crazy it was. And I took it very seriously from the very beginning. I was just watching how we as a nation were going to address this. I didn't have any answers, but when I started seeing, um, whole countries isolating themselves. Um, you know, obviously a lot of my sponsors are affected by this, um, with just their shipments and factories and things like that. Um, so I actually started seeing that first before, um, I started seeing it more personal and then just kind of being aware of how crazily people are affected besides things like the Olympics is a really, really big deal. It's very, very personal, but, people are not going to have jobs at the end of this pandemic um, or during this pandemic. Hopefully things can be restored by, by the end of it, but it's a major hardship on a lot of people. And um, I just feel very sensitive for everyone at, at this time. And I think I've, I was already in my own space of sensitivity. So it's definitely a mentally hard time. And I think the thing that's helped us get through truly has been just practicing an attitude of gratitude every time your brain and it's, it's been a me mental practice. I think a lot of us athletes have had to flex and that's what I've been doing every time. It's just like, Oh, we've got the kids and then this, Hey, you know, but we do have a roof over our head. We do have some food to eat. So it's like those sort of balances um, and just really working more than anything to do our part, whatever we can do to flatten the curve, which I think is um, what I find my greatest responsibility right now. Mm -hmm. And you guys, Alicia, are in shelter in place in California or just. Yes. Yeah, we are. We are in shelter in place right now in California. And that for us is, uh, well, it should be for everybody is, you know, you stay home as much as possible. Um, we are able to get out for outside for exercise. And like, you know, if you have a dog, which we don't take dogs for walks, animals for walks. If you have a cat, I'm sure that you want to walk. <laughs> that's a joke but I've seen somebody walk okay. before people do um, yeah <laughs> um if I had a cat I might try to walk it um and uh what else does it say that we can do you know you can do infrequent grocery store runs and um take you know yeah I think I said take your kids out for a walk or for a hike which uh we've been balancing relatively well um you know the schools have been shut down I now have a school-aged child and three kids. When I was, again, I totally was like, this is going to be great. Good timing. Linnea's going to be in school five days a week. Astrid's going to be in preschool twice a week. I'm going to have a newborn, get to recover and get started on my stuff. We're going to launch a book. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it is pretty chaotic. But yeah, we're shelter in place right now. And um, I think our end of our 14, we, we were 14 days. And um, in the Bay Area, we've had ours extended to 21 days. So April 6th is our um, potential lift. I did get an email last night from our superintendent with the school saying that, um, everybody should prepare for an extension through May 1st. Yeah. And that's been happening with countries across the board. So I did kind of think like, mm, like it's possible that this is going to be, um, this is going to be pretty long-term for us. And so I remember Molly, we spoke with Alfie, um, at the time and, you had said that there was not a shelter in place or an order 
um, at the time mm-hmm. when we spoke? What's what's the change now for you? Um, well, I'm still in Arizona. We still mm-hmm. don't have that. A lot more businesses have closed down. Um, I think they have ordered like restaurants and stuff to close. But mm-hmm. um, this state seems to be um, not having as strict of measures yet anyway, for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, it's still able to train outside. You see a lot of people outside. There's a lot of people on the trails. I've noticed my usual like Wednesday trail run where I see not a soul. I see like a coyote and that's it is now like streaming with families. So, um, it's good. It's just, they, um, you know, too many people as a crowd. So you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've noticed like, for example, I tried to go to the track the other day and, um, there was like some private uh, football practices going on on the infield and I was kind of like okay I don't know if I should be here they shouldn't be here um I'll leave <laughs> mm-hmm. and so that's that's what happened there and I just ran on the road but um yeah, yeah hopefully things get a little more controlled here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I know Ro you kind of voiced a similar feeling where you were like oh it's different now that the kids are home from school I was I had a lot mm-hmm. of you know, the schedule was set and I was getting a lot done when they were in school. And now it's, it's back to the old days, like when they were three and four. (laughs) Yeah, a little, when they're little and they're home and it's trying to like nab an hour for work, a couple hours for work, switching off with my husband. And yeah, it's just an, it's an adjustment to tell, yeah, for sure. And we are trying to make it work and, you know, everyone's having their moments. So just kind of, normalize that and just like okay if you, what do you need and checking in with each other and kind of knowing myself as well kind of I think that's like some good advice for people is to kind of really just check in with themselves what do I need right now like how can I what am I missing right I, I can share this like cool chart that I have of um this like healthy mind platter and they're kind of what your mind your brain needs to feel good mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a day it's kind of like the food platter you know your variety of things mm-hmm. um and I noticed myself last week feeling very kind of like, ah, at the end of the day, so many texts, so many things going on. And that I was just like, oh, wow, what am I missing? And I was realized, okay, I didn't have any focus time, which is something I really need. It sounds mm-hmm. bizarre, but I do need focus time or get some things done. Um, and also it's like just time alone, like time in. Um, so just having that self-awareness and, and recognize, okay, what, what is, what do I need? Or like ask my husband what he needs. Um, so we can make this work, you know, and kind mm-hmm. of evolve it over time. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are out exercising here in Rhode Island and on the boulevard here in Providence. And it's, I've never seen it as busy. So there's definitely a bit of a running boom going on in, in amidst all of this, um, which I don't know if people are going to get fitter. Some people are going to get fitter. But um, I was I was just a year, like for like, yeah, a month ago this week and you know, they had like their first cases there in Italy. And, you know, so I felt very connected to it for the last month, watching those numbers like skyrocket and feeling very, wow, this is real. This is very serious. And watching the news from there and in Europe and how it's spreading and being like, this is serious. We need to do what we're asked to do. We do need to stay away mm-hmm. from people. We do what we can do in our, what's in our control um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't control other people, but we can just keep kind of, okay, what can I do and how do I show up for my society? Um, so, yeah, it's kind of balancing, okay, what what would I like to be doing versus, okay, how do I make this work? Because this is really important. Um, yeah. And, you know, and again, just normalizing the different things that pop up for people. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people are overreacting, underreacting, denying 
getting stressed out and etc etc how do we you know allow people just to have their experience and um and just kind of yeah this is nobody's experienced this before so Mm -hmm. this is all very new and unknown territory um and we're all going to react in slightly different ways so just being empathetic to each other yeah yeah the last pandemic we had was in 1918 with the flu when it first showed up and so you know whoever's still here in 19 from 1918 that would be well 101 102 Mm-hmm. or you know they wouldn't so. have much memory <laughs> of have, it I mean, well, maybe. We're, we're so much more globalized now yeah like, tra- we move so much more around the world it's just yeah, yeah really and I just one of the things I just I really want to like you know I loved everything you were saying real but it's it, and it's so true just like having that time to kind of check in with yourself all the things that we also think that we want wanted to be doing but what we need to do right now is so much bigger than just our own personal um taking care of yourself is very important but like things that you can let go of that would put other people in jeopardy I think we really have to think about that um you know I was really thinking about um all of the families right now you know that are have been at our borders who have been separated from their families and you know right now people are even experiencing that within our country with this pandemic how they're separated from their families and I just think it's a really interesting time for us to just kind of think about, you know, what that what that means to all of us and how if we act as a unit, as we act together, that we can put bring families back together. And then also, you know, it's a time to just think about how many families have been facing the, these sort of separations before um, mm-hmm. a pandemic was in place for them. And so I just think. There are so many different things that happen in the world that have us think outside of our own shoes. And, you know, it could be a really, really great time to just remember that, you know, we, we are, we can be, we're human and we can be relatively selfish when it comes to our own needs and wants and forget how our um, selfishness affects other people in a negative way. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this. Um, Recognize how important it is to be a part of a team right now. How, you know, we need to make sure that we won't be the weak link in the chain um, because ultimately we are all interweaved. And it sees how, it, this is just such a great example of how connected we actually are all together. Yeah. And um, it's global. This is just it's, it's crazy. It's a global infection is what a pandemic is. Um, and, yeah, that's we're all, you know, a very small degree of separation away yeah. from each other. So mm-hmm. um, if. If anything right now, yeah, just think about how you can be a part of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea that we're like individuals and, you know, like we're actually so much more connected than we sometimes realize. And this mm-hmm. is just a really good example of that. Yeah, I think perspectives will definitely be shifted. It's weird mm-hmm. how it takes being completely disconnected from everyone to make you appreciate yeah. and realize how much we are all like one moving yeah. organism. Definitely. Definitely. And on, on goals and perspectives and things like this, Molly, just a few weeks ago, you were running for a spot on the Olympic team, the marathon, you know, the marathon trials. And, um, you know, from that, can you just kind of, what are you, what are your thoughts? You yeah, know, and so- now, and now you were going to make another push for the outdoor trials, which is now likely will be postponed, um, with the 2020 Olympic games moving from this year to the following year. What are like? What are things you're 
thinking and going through, we are talking about, you know, personal goals that we had and it's okay to talk about them. And um, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious how you're processing that, all of this. Yeah. They, they made more or less an official announcement that the Olympic games will be moved to 2021. Um, they haven't yet decided. I think they're going to decide in the next four weeks when in 2021, I presume it'll be summer time frame, but we don't actually know. And that, that actually does determine, like I, you know, most athletes like Ro, we were talking about how the Olympics is just like this pillar every four years and you work back from that. And so you need to know like what month it is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So that will determine a lot. And and like we presume everything going great. Racing may start up again in the late summer or fall. Um, so there's a lot of fall marathons, uh, more than normal, actually, because the spring marathons have moved to the fall on the schedule. And so, um, yeah, we're just trying to plan basically like I was rushing to get back on the track after the marathon trials and normally I would take a longer break and so now we're like maybe you do take a little break now you have time Mm -hmm. and then just focus Mm -hmm. on the fall um and if I choose a marathon in the fall it kind of depends when the olympics are actually um depending that would affect what I do in the fall so yeah, yeah we're just we're trying to wait for the last few puzzle pieces to fall into place but I think um seems like the decision which was only just made about the olympics being postponed was um guided a lot by athletes which is good that that you know I think they voiced their opinion and federations voiced their concern and that kind of moved the needle um Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later um so even though we didn't have all the information really no one knows how long this is going to last and and what the downstream effects are going to be it was still good as an athlete to know like you can just breathe you don't have to feel like you have to like break quarantine to go train or like Mm -hmm. yourself in a risky position Mm -hmm. um so I think you know it's unfortunate but I think it's the right decision so yeah and even that you know and it's no easy feat to put the Olympics back right because you know like Japan is fair the Japanese organizers are very organized very on the ball ready for this and you know I was talking to somebody today they're saying that they have leased out the whole of athlete village already people ready to move in there in September there's like so many moving pieces and it wasn't so it's not so easy for the IOC to just like oh yeah we'll just push that back this has all happened very quickly um but at the same time I feel like athletes wanted to know like they were kind of left hanging right and um it seems like a lot of athletes are able to see that this is bigger than sport or bigger than them and say look we need to you know we need to have a sense that this is not happening so um, and this is the right thing to do is to push it back and um, yeah there's loss with that there's a grief of like okay well this was like a you know this was something that was solid in my life plan and that's upended right now um so there will probably be a mix of emotions for a lot of athletes um but it's my sense of like the athletes I've seen on social media is they're kind of actually grateful that this is just cleared right now and like you said they're they're not as under under pressure to try and train and do all these things and miss qualifications and mixing and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, I mean, just for people to even understand that the process too, there was no, there were not going to be many opportunities for athletes to even qualify for trials that hadn't qualified yet. Um, and then, yeah, just from the whole health aspect of things, like yeah. we are able to see things from a U.S. standpoint and you know maybe being able to work separately in some gym or whatever but other countries are 100 percent under quarantine that would be a part of the olympic games that are not going to have an opportunity that are in 
I mean, we are in a pretty dire situation, but in a much more dire situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's just no way that that would be a safe way to, this is supposed to be about being together. And it it just, I'm very happy with the decision um, for for the health aspect. I totally understand the mixed bag of emotions. And like we talked about when we talked with Alphine, um, earlier she was just like as long as it's this year and now she knows for a fact it's not going to be this year yeah it's 2021 just as long know. as it wasn't cancelled I think that was her biggest fear that she might her right. idea of being an Olympian was was in jeopardy and that was yeah. something she really scared her so you yeah. know I'm thankful that that's not true and that she will yeah. get her opportunity and um, it's just yeah I think everyone's ready to be adaptable around that because of the severity of the situation. Obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> so, that was a lot of, that was a lot of uh, COVID talk guys. And before yes. we came on, we talked about, you know, uh, how much of it should we talk about? Clearly it, it was on our brains in this way and it makes sense. So um, we hope that people are staying sane and safe and, you know, we don't, um, hope, we hope we don't incite any fear. We're just talking straight facts about what we're going through presently at this moment in time. And, you know, if you guys are feeling isolated or alone, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody has their own sort of way of processing or going through this right now. Um, and you can still stay connected digitally. <laughs> um, no, that's definitely, <laughs> we're lucky in that regard that we do live in the time where we all are connected. We're talking in the videos right now. We've, yeah. we've always been distant. So this is like new for normal for us in some regard, but you know, that we, we do have that. We have, we have connection in other ways and we yeah. just, kind of, we just have to reframe that and take that in. And, and I mean, I, I feel like I've been in contact with people that I haven't been in contact with in ages because everyone's just reaching out. A lot of joke sharing still, but it still it feels good to be connected to so many people um, and just on a, such a regular basis. It can be a little bit overwhelming, but, it, you know, there's there are upsides or silver linings. I, I wouldn't say upsides, I'd say silver linings because it's still a dire situation. But mm-hmm. um, and there are there are silver linings. We just have to keep looking for them and stay in a good place mentally, emotionally yeah. and physically, hopefully for a lot of people, too. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on the COVID situation. Um, we could totally, talk for yeah. a long time on the repercussions and how we're feeling on that. Yeah. But, um, we're still kind of um, digesting the Olympic marathon trials. And that's totally. our, our two guests today are really interesting women. Um, we have both Rachel Highland and Lauren Philbrook on. Um, they are 237, 238 marathoners. But you may know them best as the two ladies with baby bumps in the marathon trials photos. Um, and we talked to them. What did you ladies think of the interview? What did you think of Rachel and Lauren? I thought it was great um, to get their perspective on that. And um, I thought it, it represented more than just racing while pregnant. Yeah, I, I thought I'm really just excited that this is just a time that we are in where people are able to um, better express themselves, be themselves, and that we are in an age where women are um, being celebrated for every piece of them. And we are able to kind of express the difficulties that it, that we do face in being women in sports, in career. And part of that can include 
motherhood. And so I just think part of this conversation that I felt like was very poignant and very important to share was just what it looked like to be um, a woman athlete, you know, in this in this time, you know, and how people were able to celebrate them running. They didn't run the full marathon. They ran um, a loop of it, which I'm Molly, how 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 many miles was the, was the loop? I think, um, I forget who ran what, but one of the women ran an eight mile loop, one loop mm-hmm. and one woman, woman went to halfway. Yeah. And it's just about doing what you can. And I just felt like our, I just felt like, you know, that it was a great celebration of where women are able to celebrate each other and where they're at. And, um, I'm, yeah, I just felt very inspired by their, their movement that they weren't even trying to make. And it yeah. was a movement, us being able to just be ourselves, women in our career paths and, you know, celebrate our goals and keep achieving and striving, whether pregnant, postpartum, you know, or going through a fertility or not choosing not to just in our Mm -hmm. own journey Mm -hmm. as a woman. um, I just think it's so important that we are able to be seen and to be a voice and, um, you know, hold space for someone who might also be going through or want uh, to know what it might look like to be um, a woman at this time in whatever career path or, or, you know, physical or mental goals that one might be going through. Yeah. It's a lovely sister in sports story. The girls went to college together and, you know, now they're pregnant together. They ran trials previously together and they really feel like they strengthened each other in this. And I, I just think that's like, I mean, that is like something that's very real for me. And in with the group of women that I used to train with and they're my friends now, including Molly. Um, and we just feel so connected in such another level. And, and just to watch them do that and kind of have this statement or without trying to make a statement, it's just a beautiful thing. So congratulations to them. Yeah, that was a piece of the story that I didn't really expect us to talk about, just how, um, you know, we anyone who ran college cross country, you have best friends on that team. And the, those two women both went to Williams together, trained together on the cross country team, and now got to share not only going through pre- their first pregnancy at the same time, but running it. They ran at the last Olympic trials together mm-hmm. and ran at this mm-hmm. trials together while pregnant. So I think it's kind of it was kind of a cool, um, like you said, Rose, sister in sport moment. And mm-hmm. I know I've I've been fueled by uh, my friends that I've trained with and that become your best friends in the sport and they really help you bolster you to kind of like do something bold that you might not have done Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that you should do that will pay off but like it will have an impact but you're kind of afraid by yourself sometimes so I thought that was I resonated a lot with that and I didn't I'm glad we got to talk about it I wasn't sure if that would uh I didn't see that side of the story at first so it was cool we hope you guys enjoy it and we look forward to hearing from you again molly you are going to figure out a winner of the t-shirt competition and we're going to do more of those yes i will announce it on the instagram post for this uh episode the winners uh, we'll pick um like five five winners <laughs> i just decided <laughs> that just now <laughs> i i affirm good job <laughs> so keep in touch people give us your feedback and if you have any questions we'd love to hear from you and hopefully we can answer them and uh, we look forward to hanging out again soon all right take care everyone stay connected stay safe and thank you guys for keeping track welcome back to keeping track everyone we have two exciting guests today um we have rachel highland and lauren philbrook 
They are both marathoners. They both graduated from Williams College a few years ago. And you may know them best, despite all their other accomplishments, as the pregnant runners at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. But there's so much more to this story. So that's why we had to talk to Lauren and Rachel. We're so glad to have you ladies on today. Um, yeah, and first, I think we want to know how you're doing. We know ha Have babies recently been born? Are you still um, have a due date on the horizon? And how are things going? Oh, it's going okay. We're both still pregnant. <laughs> no yeah. babies yet. <laughs> um, my, my baby's due April 19th. So like three and a half more weeks to go, maybe. Um, oh, this like is Rachel uh, talking really quick, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Lauren, oh, Lauren. Lauren. Oh, this is Lauren talking. Lauren. Yep. Sorry. Um, we're both, I think we're both doing okay. Although with the virus, there's definitely some uncertainties that have now like very rapidly come up that weren't there even at the trials. Like it wasn't really on our radar in the same way that it really is now. So, I mean, I think we're both feeling lucky that we live in places that seem to be removed from it, at least right now to some extent, but there's definitely some anxieties regarding that. Rachel, would you? Yeah, I would agree. Um, so my due date's June 1st, and while that feels kind of far away, it's in other ways it's not at all. Um, and obviously there's there's always uncertainty, like with pregnancy and especially your first kid, but, um, and this is the first baby for both of us. But I think now, yeah, there's just a lot more uncertainty. And um, for example, my OB office is now turned into a testing center in Boston. And so my next few um, appointments with my doctor are through telehealth or like with a different nurse practitioner, I think. And then um, because I'm low risk, I might not have my next in-person doctor's appointment for another month. Um, so that's where things are right now. Um, and yeah, it's, it's hard to believe that Olympic trials were only like three and a half weeks ago because um, a lot has changed for me since then, including um, I haven't been able to run or walk without SI joint pain. So that's, mm -hmm. that's a major difference too. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to go to Atlanta and run um, because you never know, like with pregnancy, just something, your body could feel totally different one, from one day to another. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rachel, how far along were you at the trials? Um, just in February. Yeah. So I was like about to start my 27th week. Okay. Yeah. So 30 and, weeks now. Okay. And Lauren, you were? 33 then. Oh my goodness. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's so incredible. Both in your third trimester. At the time of, uh, you know, there's, again, there's so much that's going on. At the time of running trials, were you guys feeling fatigued at all hitting that third trimester or were you? Because I know, you know, of, I, I've once ran a race <laughs> pretty <laughs> pregnant. And I remember, you know, having signed up for the race and saying, hey, I'm just feeling really, really great. And then the race coming and still feeling good, but having to taper off a little bit. But then I was in third trimester and the fatigue was definitely there. So there's adjustments that had to be made. Were those some things that you thought about? And, um, you know, just how did your preparation go from when you first were like, OK, we can do this to when you guys towed the line? Um. For me, originally when I signed up, I was like, okay, if I just keep running, like, it'll be fine. I'll be able to hopefully keep up for a few miles. But then as with each week, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like you're saying, I got started to get 
pretty tired and I wasn't doing any workouts and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to run 615 pace for any like sustainable amount of time. So then I actually was thinking that maybe I wouldn't do it because of that. But then when I told Rachel that I was considering not running it, she's like, oh no, but I'll run whatever pace you want. Like, it's really okay. It's eight minute pace. Perfect. Mind at all. And yeah. So having, having her knowing that she would keep company made a huge difference for me. But I think it was different for you, Rachel. You had, you were in better shape going into it. You kind of, you ran slower with me. Well, six weeks earlier, too. <laughs> that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually done the Philly Marathon when I was 13 weeks pregnant. Um, and so with uh, the full really, marathon. Yeah, the full marathon, just with reduced training volume, for sure, and reduced intensity and more did it for fun and for the experience. Um, and so I had a really good base and came off of that in November and kept training and doing long runs through maybe like end of January. And then things shifted a little bit. I had to take a few days off here and there and reduce my long runs. Um, and so before the Olympic trials, like in the two weeks before I had only done maybe like 14 miles was my longest long run. And so I just knew like, okay, 13 miles max. And I'll be really happy if I can do that. And it was so great to have Lauren's company. So you would yeah, do yeah. longer than that before that, like during your pregnancy, you were going even longer than 14 miles, 13 miles. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, because I had the base, I think, um, from my first trimester and I really felt great. Um, I, I was able to do it and just, you know, slower than my normal training pace, but, yeah. um, it was, I, you know, especially yeah. now looking back, I, I'm really, really grateful for the time I had running, feeling good. Mm-hmm. And there's something Molly and I have talked a little bit um, yesterday just about this. So like, we're just, of course, talking about the very obvious, you know, physical factors. Um, but again, this is so much bigger than just running a race while pregnant. There was more. Um, Rachel, you'd written um, a blog post just kind of about <laughs> your experience, which was pretty it was pretty awesome. Just how you saw, um, you know, racing while pregnant again. Like, I think. It, it wasn't about just being like, oh, I can run a marathon mm-hmm. at trials. It was just about the collective voice. And um, your experience there was just much different from, you know, not being pregnant and running a race. And Molly, I mean, I think we kind of spoke about this yesterday. Did you want to kind of you know, <laughs> throw in exactly what you said yesterday, which is really, really powerful? Well, yeah, I'd love to hear what you, Lauren and Rachel, have to say about sort of um, your what you were thinking uh, entering the race and sort of the mm-hmm. statement you were making, you know, obviously the point isn't really, um, go sign up for a preg, a marathon, six months pregnant, you'll run three mm-hmm. hours cause you won't. But <laughs> the fact that you still started the race and showed people your bumps amid 500 women, I felt like it was an important statement of like, this is what the life cycle of a female athlete looks like. You may, mm-hmm. your peak training and racing years align with your childbearing years. And so I feel like it, it starts that conversation and reminds people that like, Hey, we're athletes. Our bodies do two things though, as women. So like they may mm-hmm. intersect. Here's a reminder. So did you have that in your minds when you wanted to line up? Is that kind of what you were going for? Um, what were you both thinking and how was, it's important to state too, you, you ran um, not the entire marathon mm-hmm. at the trials. So you were listening mm-hmm. to your bodies, but what were you ladies thinking on the lap or the 13 miles that you did do? And, and what was the response like? 
Do you want to go, Lauren? <laughs> I need to go first. Okay. We had more better articulated. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I I feel like um, ever since 2016, where Lauren and I both ran in LA, um, we had always said, "Oh, we want to qualify again," and you know, to be able to run in 2020. And so that was like the first big goal going in was just to make it to that trials, and then. Um, I think just over the last four years, um, you know, the goals shift and priorities shift and, and to be able to still have that goal as something like as an elite marathoner, wow, the Olympic trials, this is what we've strived for. Like that can still be a goal. I guess I wanted that still to be a goal for me, even though my family priorities shifted. Um, and so yeah, I, I just didn't want to give that up because I feel like, as, and as I wrote in the blog post, like for me, not just for me as an individual, but for me as part of the greater whole, like all of these women that had qualified and worked so hard and, you know, lining up with the biggest field of women that we've ever seen, that was really powerful. And to show everyone that, you know, I was one of 500 who qualified and we're all at a different place. Like mm-hmm. for me, I was in the middle of my pregnancy and Lauren was, you know, 33 weeks pregnant and someone else may have had a miscarriage. Like you just never know. And everyone mm-hmm. is on their own, you know, little journey. So it was cool to just be part of that. Yeah. And you'd earned this. You'd achieved. To yeah. Get, you know, you achieved this. So you wanted to take what you'd earned. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you had Rachel. I hadn't really considered it a lot beforehand that that people might view it in that way. I guess I was actually a little bit worried that maybe some people would think that I wasn't taking this very serious event like very seriously. So that was probably my biggest hesitation about running in it and then having the support from Rachel and then my husband and my friends here were like, no, like exactly what you were saying, Ro. Like, well, you're qualified. I mean, there's no reason why you can't go and run too. And then I think that also, for maybe Rachel, I bet to some extent you also didn't expect. No. You're both so blown away, like the the how supportive and encouraging everyone was to us. Like it was just, we were just blown away. Like I'll never forget that feeling of the fact mm-hmm. that we were immediately so far behind everyone else, and that people were like cheering for us. Oh my gosh, I, it was it was like nothing I've ever really experienced before. What I, were like, some I, of the cheers like? I'm just curious. I just want to know what were did you guys hear anything specific that made you laugh or that made you feel really good? <laughs> Cuz it was loud uh, there. Oh yeah, that I mean yeah. that went in general comparing it to the other two. It was, it was just incredible the crowd yeah. support that they had. Um we loved so there was one person who said good luck to all four of you which we thought was so cute. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then it's like there would be some people that like, run by and they'd be like, wait, those two, they're both pregnant. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like telling us that, they, that we were like inspiring them, which I just was, I, I just couldn't believe that people would say that to us. We, we were just blown away. We both kind of like cheered up at the beginning. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just an incredible experience for that. And then also what, what Rachel was saying to this, the fact that we were part of the the biggest field and we don't know if that will ever happen again we're kind of wondering mm-hmm. like a lot of us are talking about like they'll probably make the time faster it might not ever happen and being part of <laughs> yeah that's true that's true. Mm-hmm. um 
big part of that was just so special. And the other women were so supportive of us too. Like before mm-hmm. the race, people are coming up to us and saying, like, this is so cool that you're doing this. Like offering to take photos for us so we'd have pictures yeah. together. Like people were amazing to us. I didn't I just didn't expect that at all. Oh, I wasn't incredible. expecting that either. And I, I don't yeah. think that contributed to like why we lined up for the attention. I mean, no. I it was last minute last minute decision to wear the crop top I was really yep. nervous about it it was like really putting my body out there um yeah. and people were saying no like otherwise it's not as obvious you have to wear it you know so I just felt super encouraged and yeah, yeah like Lauren said there were just random people on the start line who were mm-hmm. you know chatting with us and encouraging us and so um yeah, yeah I just think away. it's important also just to note, Rachel, like, what was your highest finish at a major marathon? Um, well, there were different circumstances that year, as Molly knows, but yeah. uh, I I placed fourth in the 2018 Boston Marathon, um, wow. which was also very unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, the podcast just... right there. How did you manage to do that? But anyway. I know. We'd love to, <laughs> you can tell us about that, too. But I mean... I, my, my point about that is exactly what we said in the beginning. Like, this, this is what it's like to be an athlete as a woman. There's so many different stories that we have. And part of um, something that is can be a part of a woman's journey is pregnancy, is miscarriage, is IVF, mm-hmm. is, you know. So there's there's so many things that factor into place that make us um, who we are and are part of our stories and it, us being athletes doesn't have to be removed from that and us being able to accomplish really big things. And the big thing doesn't always have to be winning a race. It doesn't always have to be qualifying uh, for the Olympic team, you know, so our big, um, our big parts of our stories that we would like to celebrate can be celebrated during pregnancy um, after um, even in journey two, or maybe not even choosing it. And so, um, I'm just really proud of you guys. And I was really very inspired to see you guys out there as well. Um, and I just yeah. want to let you guys know that. Yeah, me yeah. too. Thank you. And I think like seeing, even if you run one lap or half the race, like you were showing, in my opinion, you were showing people that in many professions and many walks of life, like being pregnant mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're sick or doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're like on the shelf. It just means mm-hmm. things change a little bit. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it was very it's a very empowering message I don't know if you intended but I think that's what it yeah was. yeah I, and that's I, the I thing also, you know there's go ahead <laughs> uh, no I was just gonna say like I, I don't think I've articulated this yet in like when talking about the trials but like staying connected to the running community while being pregnant has been yeah. super important um and so I think that's another thing that maybe I was, you know, another reason that got me to the start line was, was mm-hmm. just being connected because I really needed that. Like I needed mm-hmm. my running community this year in particular, um, you know, even if I might have been running slower, but like you don't have to just, you know, remove yourself from the competitive running community just because you're mm-hmm. pregnant. So you should mm-hmm. be protected from it. Like, and I think um, Alicia's work last year kind of revolutionized the, that whole picture of, okay, with female pregnant athletes are like ejected from this now. We're like, no, mm-hmm. how, this is part of a woman's journey in sports. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And you guys yeah. just kind of, yeah, visually representing that. I love that. Right. And then women across the board, just in their different, you know, respective careers are, you know, constantly standing up against barriers when it comes to being a woman in the workplace and, you know, her choices or her, um, 
you know, ability to become mom or, you know, struggle through that process mm-hmm. or maybe not choose it. So, um, yeah, there's just a yeah. lot that goes into it. So a quick I, thought I was also thinking was just about, you know, obviously with what we're facing right now with the global pandemic, um, knowing that, you know, now the Olympics are postponed a whole another year. We don't know what the process is going to look like, um, you know, going into the next year, but something that I kind of wanted to discuss with everybody here was just, um, you know, what it might mean for athletes who were thinking, you know, okay, 2016, I'm going to become pregnant after this, you know, I'd like to, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, roll into the next cycle. Now they've kind of have this condensed cycle of what might happen. Do you guys want to kind of just talk about the thought process? I mean, again, um, you know, I think both of you guys have just shared the thought process and shifting where your priorities are when it comes to, and Molly, you also talked about when it comes to um, your points in your career also being a really, um, also being a high point in which you're most fertile, to be completely honest. I mean, based on science, and of course, everybody's different. There are outliers for everybody, but that's just what um, the statistics show. Like, do you guys want to kind of talk about that thought process and you know, how you guys have thought about family planning with all of this. I was actually on thoughts when I found out about the Olympics being moved. I don't, I don't know specifically, but if that would be hard for a lot of female athletes that mm-hmm. I think probably do plan thing, or hope to be able to plan for things that way and mm-hmm. delay things another year. And on top of everything else, like keeping your fitness, of course, I just wonder how many people's kind of life plans that alters. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. For 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 me or for us, I think we I we both as Rachel was saying, we both really wanted to be able to participate in the twenty twenty trials, and we thought about it a lot. Um, I think it's easier when it's not you know my career to make the decision that we wanted to start a family and we weren't going to wait until after the trials um, because of that. But it definitely is something that I know that lots of runners. Um, at our kind of level considered um, like I know that after the 2016 trials there were a lot of people who had babies after that and after 2020 I'm anticipating that will probably happen too so definitely I think that's something that factors into it's just one other thing that you think about when you're kind of planning but I have this thought a lot also um, kind of with my job too in that mm-hmm. kind of the times where maybe it's sort of the best time to start a family and maybe the best years of running are also some of the most important as far as your career, too. So, like, right now, I'm my job, I'm on the tenure track. I need to kind of prove myself in the next six years to be able to yeah. keep my position, which I really like to do. And so it all feels mm-hmm. like it's coinciding at the same time. All moves together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just part of life, I guess. So I'm telling myself, you know, that's just something that's going to be, you know, a really challenging but rewarding time of my life. Like, I'll look back on it and think about all the things that I, like, I, I love running. I love my job. I, I'm really excited to have my daughter. So I know it'll be a really wonderful part of my life, but it is going to be an, a more demanding time. For sure. Can you tell us what, what you do? Oh, yeah. So I'm um, an assistant professor in psychology at Colgate in, Ham- in Hamilton, New York. So, um, I am working on both research and teaching and kind of have to be able to um, prove myself in both of those areas to be wow. able to get 
Yeah. And yeah. Rachel, too, do you, you also running is something you do as well as work. Um, how is this impacting your life being pregnant and your professional life? Yeah. So actually, like Lauren had an interesting path, as I think a lot of people do when they're trying to teach at a university, like just had to move around to a few different places while trying to balance running and while in her peak years of fertility. And I think that that's really challenging too, like just having to move your family all around. And so Mm -hmm. luckily I didn't really have that. I had a lot of stability like in my twenties at the same job. And then um, in 2018, my husband got a new job in San Francisco. So I left my teaching job, taught at two different schools. Um, I'm a high school Spanish teacher. So I taught at two different schools last year. um, And then his job, switched again because he's sort of at the peak of his career and you know I had already he had made sacrifices for my career early on and so we moved again back to Boston and (laughs) I gave up my career for this year and started you know decided to start a family and so that's where I am right now and I I honestly um maybe could have made the choice to just go all in and you know, live the professional runner lifestyle before the 2020 trials. And it's something I certainly thought about, like, wow, this is the first September I'm not starting at a, at a high school teaching. Um, but I felt like it was too much pressure for me. I, you know, totally admire and respect everything that professional runners are doing. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's amazing. And I just knew that it probably wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in that way, I, I was privileged to be able to, you know, make that decision because Mm -hmm. it wasn't my career riding on the line. So, um, you know, that's where I'm at and certainly, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging up ahead trying to get back into running and, you know, do motherhood for the first time and, and also try to get back into teaching, which I really want to do. So, um, all of those things will be happening at the same time as we emerge out of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Much better, right? That yeah. was probably not a not a part of your plan when thinking of all this. No. <laughs> yeah, that the pandemic. It's already busy, so no difference. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, we were talking about this, Molly, just a, a few days ago as well. Though, how you know like Molly right now you don't have kids and you're really focused single-minded and which comes right at a cost of like you know there's more pressure on your job and then also that it's not as easy to make these decisions sometimes that and um, that other what other women want to do and then also we but we were what the, the point here I'm talking about that is more universal is that this idea of like trying to juggle right how do I do this thing and this thing <laughs> and splitting the focus splitting uh the energy splitting everything um to do those oh my things. god and um <laughs> and I like laugh at talking to Molly about it because I was like that was hard for me to go from that single-mindedness to juggling um and not to say it can't be done but it's some it's <laughs> a shift you have to like the expectations everything and be kind to yourself that's my yep. advice <laughs> no, yeah yeah you had a good <laughs> you said something along the lines of you were like you'll realize not everything you do can be like olympic level perfection when you totally. have yeah hey job everything like you have to sort of let some things be just like done good enough or like it's really fine. Hard. And I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, there's like a, there's that common quote that's just like, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. 
Like sometimes that feels like that, but I feel like when it comes to motherhood, it's actually not true. It's kind <laughs> of like you're able to, it's yeah. not a good, I'm like, ah, that doesn't really apply. That must have been a dude that wrote that. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, when you try, yeah, when you develop that Olympic mindset and all you guys, right, Olympic trials, you had to well, focus. It's, an athlete mind, it's like an athlete elite athlete, athlete mindset you of your yeah. life. Yeah. You want everything to be like perfect and you just hyper-focus, but that's not real yeah, life. Dedicated, so yeah. Yeah. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard. I remember coming back after Linnea, that was basically the first thing that I recognized. And I was already ready to kind of be like, hey, I'm going to let go with the flow. You know, whatever happens, happens. I want to be able to be a present mom and be excited with my baby and not look at her and be like, why won't you let me train, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, and I felt like it was it was actually more relaxing for me to just, like, keep my mantra was so different. It was just, like, a relaxed mantra, like, hey – this is how it's going to be. It'll happen when it happens. You can, you know, check these boxes this way instead of it being like, you know, okay, I've got my three hour chunk of training. It'd be like three hours dispersed throughout the 24 hour period. It's like, oh, this is a good time to do core. And it's like just before bed or I don't know, sometime that was probably not a time I would have done the other. That's probably an okay time, but you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> um, and just like that shift of focus, but it is crazy and how you know, you recognize you don't really have to have it a certain way. And that's how we've done it for so long. Um, but I don't know. I just think, again, yeah. this is just the adjustment of needing more women um, in respective fields so we can share those experiences and, and not have it be this very, you know, streamlined single way to do something that makes you feel like if you don't do it this way, then you're not being serious about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just to normalize it all. <laughs> you know, I think there's something in that part of that as well. Yeah. Know? Like this is a normal response or, you know, these old ways of thinking are still trying to come in and they're not as effective anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait there, what? I can't respond to that because I don't have time. But anyways, I'm not trying to scare <laughs> you guys. But <laughs> um, no, it's all good. It's great. So yeah. That's awesome. So I just wanted to, you know, you guys obviously know the purpose of this podcast is to better tell women athletes stories. And, you know, we are athletes across the board, regardless of, um, you know, being an elite athlete, being a weekend warrior, we want to be able to unite. And, you know, right now we've, I think the trials, the marathon trials is a really great example of why we started this podcast. You know, the coverage for women was not, it was very, very subpar and it was not where it should be. And I just want to know from either one of you guys, both of you guys, um, what ways can we help better tell your story or what are some things that you think, you know, you would like to be out there and then other things that you'd like to know more about in, in women's sports. And hopefully we can help share that. There's a lot. <laughs> Write an essay. Um, <laughs> you want to go, Lauren? I guess I am, I think, often looking for, and, and you've provided many examples, and I just am grateful for that, looking for examples of women who have families or who are working and who are also running at a high level. When I see that, I just find that so inspirational. I feel like it, it makes me feel like I can relate to personal I feel like if they're, you know, an elite runner that's like way beyond my level just seeing that I just it's like something I crave I love being able to find those examples in other people and I know for a long time before being pregnant or 
um, before starting my current job, I would like look for examples of people like that. So the more um, people that I that are like visible in that way, I think for me it's, that's so helpful. Do you have other things? Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking along the lines of like with within teaching in general, I always found it like so inspirational to hear about other teachers that were balancing another like major mm-hmm. life yeah. goal or passion. Um, because I think you know there tends to be a lot of burnout in teaching, and a lot of people are have this single minded focus, and and I guess sometimes it can feel that way with running too like you have to choose one one thing or another um so seeing as lauren said i completely agree seeing examples of people who who are balancing um their passion for athletics or really for anything else like i'm always super inspired um by you know entrepreneur female entrepreneurs and yeah you know there's all sorts of things that women are doing out there um and you know just going through pregnancy for the first time it's been really amazing to um just you know through social media or different podcasts to hear you know a pelvic floor specialist talk (laughs) or to you know read about unsalty women's running like examples of you know training logs from from women that have been pregnant and Kara Goucher's quotes you know, about gaining weight during pregnancy and like trying to appreciate your pregnant body while you have it because it's a really mm-hmm. unique time. And so I think all of those, um, you know, it, it's mostly been positive influences um, just recently. And I'm, I feel really grateful that we are pregnant during this time when there are examples of other women. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I hear a lot that um, I forget who said this quote, but the difference between the public opinion on supporting, you know, pregnant women running a race or working out has changed so much even in the last yeah. like few years, you know, yeah. so, like mm-hmm. 2016 to now, you might have had a different reaction to racing the trials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And of course, like I remember, you know, it was 2014 with Linnea. Yeah. And it was like, 70 maybe 60 40 I thought it was 70 30 but to be in like whoa what are you doing and the other one yeah was like you know woo, this is great and then like just a few years later with Aster like I I mean maybe it was still very skewed but I felt like it was like 95 5 you know yeah. and I was watching all of these social posts or social you know um handles pop up that were like fit bump you know pregnant workout and that was not there When I was first running with Linnea and um, my examples were people like Paula Radcliffe, Kara Goucher, Lashinda Demas, you know, just people that I'd known who have been like, this is crazy. Like, of course you can do this. You're fine. Um, Mm -hmm. And then now it's like very, there's so much assurance of just staying healthy in your pregnancy. And that is staying healthy in your pregnancy doesn't mean having to keep up the same physical regime or, you know, regimen. Sorry. I always get my phone when I say that. Uh, (laughs) Um, Um, you know, uh, if you can't, you know, it's about modifying it, but it's about knowing that, you know, you are still a physical being and you, there's no reason why you cannot do something if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. that's, any, that's in any point of life. If you can't do something, then you don't do it. But if you can, then go for it. And we all know physical health is very much a part of mental health. And this is something that I think a lot of people are recognizing more than ever right now, as we all are now facing, you know, a, a global 
kind of lockdown and and just recognizing how much we really need to flex our our physical muscle and you know pregnancy does whatever it does to you with the hormones and I do think adding in some positive hormones into all the crazy equation that does go into your body changing and your mm-hmm. physical and your mental changes that um you know being able to do what you love like you've mentioned Rachel is really important and you know the same thing in any career space if a woman is a scientist and she really loves what she's doing there's no reason why she couldn't pop into the lab and continue mm-hmm. to do whatever she needs to do until she can yeah so that's my uh TED talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say too go ahead Lauren oh, well maybe it's, I don't know if it's the same thing you were thinking one thing that I really liked that I think Stephanie said when we were meet, when we met her the, the woman who ran the whole marathon at four weeks postpartum is she was like I'm not trying to say that you need to run a marathon too just because I did like you can do whatever feels most comfortable to you mm-hmm. and I feel like that's mm-hmm. the message that you're saying too you mm-hmm. like, absolutely yeah. it matter, yep. like, what feels right to you it doesn't have to be a marathon but you can run if you like to and what's comfortable mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's the way that things are kind of a message that's getting um, portrayed yeah. out, which I really appreciated. So it can be yeah, different. you're not like yeah. setting this bar. Like this is the expectations. You all got to run trials pregnant because it's just no. not your message by the sound of it. Yeah, the message. Yeah, the message is just keep your dreams alive. Keep thinking of yourself and your health and your own well being as well as your families. You know, it's not you're not invisible now because you're pregnant or yeah. a mom. So I think that's. That's what I took out of it. So I think yeah, that's mm-hmm. that you are successful with that message. Yeah, yeah. because it, it's illegal to discriminate against pregnant, pregnancy in the workplace, etc. But it's still it's not illegal to judge people and to feel that, you mm-hmm. know, for them, you know, so that there's more work to do. And we can kind of take that on. And you guys are really like, I don't know, I'm, I'm really struck by your friendship and you guys went to college together and you guys look alike. I don't know if you, <laughs> you really do. Totally. In the beginning, I was like, so, yeah. Um, how nice is it to have this to share and do this? Because I feel like alone it would be a little bit tricky. I don't know, I'm just um, projecting myself in there, but it just seems so nice to have each other and to do this together and kind of make this statement, even if it's so unconsciously doing it. Um, Hi, tell, tell us about your like sister in sport friendship <laughs> real quick. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> hopefully I don't cry. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Lauren and I were teammates for four years at Williams and then um, sort of started this. Uh, Lauren really inspired me initially to start the competitive running journey. She definitely got into it sooner. Um, and so... Yeah, I was just inspired thinking like, wow, Lauren's doing this post-collegially. I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And then we've run several Boston marathons together, um, lined up. We went to the trials in 2016. And so to be able to line up uh, once again at the trials and share those eight miles together um, that were emotional this time because of what each of us had been through leading up to it. And, yeah. you know, I think um, Lauren definitely inspired me and empowered me to um just continue training and be able to um get through some of the discomforts and you know mental shifts that take place um for an athlete while they're pregnant so yeah yeah great oh yeah I feel like we've been there we've been there for each other for a long time now but then pregnancy like we've uh, talked back and forth like very often about what each of us is going through and like you were saying, Ro, 
I wouldn't, I don't think I could have done it, the race or, or started the race knowing that I wouldn't have been able to keep up with the other runners without Rachel, but she was like, hands down, she, you know, only do it if it's fun for you, Lauren, but like, I'm totally happy to run with you and keep you company and completely okay. And she's so supportive and encouraging of that. And it was just it was like, we, we had this really amazing experience in the 2016 trials because we ran most of that together too. And we loved it. It was, it was incredible. And I just can't believe that we managed to somehow have another experience that was really special too. Yeah. It was different, but still like neither one of us will ever forget it. And sharing Aww. it with a close friend like that was just amazing. Like, yeah. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I appreciate it even more now because it's only three weeks later and you yeah. know, for whatever reason, my body is like not liking running right now or walking even. Oh, yeah, and so right yeah. like, it's just crazy how that shift happened so quickly. And, you know, mm-hmm. even in our country, like the shift that has taken yeah. place in the last three weeks is unbelievable. And so mm. oh, you're just like mm. grateful for, <laughs> for all sorts of things right now. And uh, yeah. friendship and connectedness yeah. is definitely one of them. Yeah, so that's consistent. Even though you guys aren't out, like, taking down, you know, the trials at the moment, it's you're still connected and, and supportive throughout in the, this this craziness. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, that three weeks really does feel like more than three weeks away when you look back on it. Yes. Um, but, yeah, what a special time to both not only be sharing this pregnancy at the same time of your lives, but to share another trials together I like I always like to think of how empowering it is to have a friend to kind of help you do something you're not sure of or like Roisin you've always been we've been each other's wing women a couple times with projects it does it, just, it does help for you to um, have someone else there who's like no this is a good idea this is gonna mm-hmm. like people are gonna like this I'll do it next to you so that's really cool to see you guys cooperate in that way yeah, so central, and I think we can under like people maybe from the outside might underestimate that, but we, we all need that. <laughs> yeah, just that that friend voice who's like, "No, go ahead, do it." Like, I'll I'll help. <laughs> yeah. So yay, and then in sport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I Sorry. wanted to say, uh, Ro, did you have another question? No, no, I didn't know if I interrupted somebody there. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say thank you to you two ladies, um, Lauren Philbrook and Rachel Highland. If anyone wants to look up the story, um, they've written a, uh, some cool pieces about it and other. Um, outlets have written some cool pieces we'll link the women's running article about the two of you I thought that was a good one um and I just wanted to say yeah thanks for giving us your time um and good luck stay healthy and um yeah thanks for keeping track with us today keep in thanks touch so ladies much. can't wait to thanks see the so baby much. babies <laughs> talk soon bye thank you thank you bye ladies Jack.
Keep track. Major shout-outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.